Hey, this is Pastor Jeff Workmeister of Elevate Church, and welcome to our podcast. I want to thank you for listening today. I hope this inspires you, encourages you, and builds your faith. Enjoy the podcast. Good morning, Elevate. It's been a great morning at church already. How many of you guys are excited to jump into it? I am, thank you. Um, if for those of you guys who don't know, my name is Marissa. I am one of the pastors here on staff, and it is such a privilege to be up here. And um, Pastor Adam and I oversee um, all of your youth kids between sixth grade and 12th grade, and it's just an honor to not only be able to serve the kingdom in that capacity, to be up here this morning talking to you guys and give Pastor Jeff and Jess the, the break and the time away as a family that they've needed. We're so excited to have them back, but the Lord has something so good this morning, so we're gonna jump into it. Today we're gonna be talking about grace. So if you guys are gonna take notes, and I highly encourage you guys to take notes, we are talking out of Matthew 5. So. Um, I'll wait for you guys to get there. Matthew 5, uh, 43 through 47. And this is out of the message version. And um, I, I don't usually read a lot out of the message, but once in a while there's a verse or two that just has a lot in there that I feel like the Lord kind of highlights to pick things out of. So this one I love very much. It says, you're familiar with the old law written, love your friend and its unwritten companion, hate your enemy. I'm challenging that and I'm telling you to love your enemies. Let them bring out the best in you, not the worst. That is so hard. When someone gives you a hard time, respond with supple movements of prayer and then you are working out of your true selves, your God created selves. This is what God does. He gives his best and the sun to warm and the rain to nourish to everyone, regardless of the good, the bad, the nice and the nasty. If all you do is love the lovable, do you expect a bonus? I love that. It's so harsh, but I love it. Anyone can do that. If you simply say hello to those who greet you, do you expect a medal? Yikes. Any run-of-the-mill sinner can do that. So today we're obviously gonna be talking about grace, but before we jump into it, let's go ahead and pray. Jesus, we love you. Holy Spirit, we just invite you into this room this morning. I thank you, Lord, that as we learn about your grace, Jesus, that there's just something new about it, something new that you wanna teach us, something new. Maybe we've walked a long time with you. Maybe this is our very first time in church. Whatever it is, Lord, grace is something we need in every season, Lord. So I pray that this morning that there is just something new that we get out of your word. We invite you into this moment. We love you so much, and it's in your name we pray. Everyone who agreed said, amen, amen. Well, you guys can go ahead and give it up for our worship team. I'm loving all the throwback worship songs. It's been so fun. I'm like, I feel like, especially, I love it. Matt, you did a great job, but the, um, the electric guitar with the singing, I'm like, this is like 2005. I'm, I'm loving this. It's, I'm feeling back in my old times. It's so good. So obviously, yes, we're talking about grace this morning. And I feel like that verse is a verse that's referenced a lot when we're talking about learning to love other people and extend grace to other people and that is very true, and it's a great verse to kind of lean and glean from, but I feel like in order to learn how to extend grace to other people, we need to know what God's grace is for us first. So we're gonna be talking about God's grace in, for us, and I feel like this is Jesus making a distinction between the old covenant and the new covenant. So I wanna break it down pretty easy. A lot of us know the old covenant basically is from the Old Testament. It's the laws of the Jewish um, followers, followed all the Jews, yeah. Um, this is the difference. So the old covenant 
is grace for the righteous, those who follow God, those who follow his commands. And then there's wrath for those, for the unrighteous. So people who don't know God, people who are against God's will on the earth, there was a lot of wrath. We saw that littered all throughout the Old Testament. There's a lot of times when um, people came up against God's people, we saw wrath, we saw fire, we saw the, the anger of God, the fury of God. And, and so therefore, there's, when there's no mercy, and when there was mercy or no mercy, it led to judgment of any kind. So then there's mercy or lack thereof to judgment, which led to justice. But in the new covenant that Jesus came to establish in the New Testament, it's grace to the righteous, those who follow his commands, those who love him, those who wanna serve him, there's grace for that. And then there's grace for the unrighteous. So there's grace to people who honor, love Jesus, who wanna abide by his word, live in that with him. And then there's grace for the people who don't know him. And how many of you guys are so thankful for his grace this morning? I know I am for sure. So therefore, Jesus is establishing something on the cross. It goes from justice. Jesus unwillingly or willingly, un, unnecessarily went to the cross to establish justice. Therefore, judgment happened, not off our own doing, but Jesus took the judgment for us. And now there's mercy established. So we see the reversed and, and I'm so thankful for that because there's an invitation extended. There's grace that's offered when Jesus went to the cross, which means that there's total atonement. And I feel like the word atonement is one of those like buzzwords that we hear in church that we don't fully always understand what it means. I know for me, like it's one of those, like I thought I knew, but as I was kind of digging into it, there's a, a two-part thing that I wasn't fully aware of, but Atonement simply means making amends for wrongs. So Jesus went to the cross. He made amends for our wrongs. And um, in the Hebrew version, or the Hebrew word of it is kippur. How many of you guys ever have like the random calendars on your phone of like all of the holidays that we don't like celebrate or all the government holidays? There's a Jewish holiday called Yom Kippur. And I used to think it was Yom Kippur. <laughs> I realized it's Yom Kippur, which is the day of atonement. So I'm going to read just a tiny bit about it. Um, the high priest back in the old covenant would make an atonement with a blood sacrifice covering all of the sins for that year for their nation. So this is, this is their way of establishing, okay, I'm trying to right my wrongs. The last 365 days, Lord, I give it back to you. This is it. And it goes on to say that atone literally means two people coming together as one, which means the full reconciliation. So, I mean, that part I was like, oh my gosh, that's so cool. Because Jesus really is the perfect example of atonement. He came to reconcile something between us that we didn't deserve and God who is deserving of everything. And he reconciled that there's atonement all the time. And we can see that when Jesus died on the cross, that there's new mercy for us to live in, that there's new grace for us to live in. And so that's kind of what we're gonna be diving in today. And there's perpetual atonement available for us all the time. And if you haven't made that choice this morning of either following Jesus or not, I'm gonna, there will always be a time to extend that at the end of service. And I really encourage you guys today to kind of allow the Lord to speak to you about that because he wants 
that covenant with you. He wants that relationship. He wants to reconcile the wrong to the right. And he wants you guys to have a relationship. He wants all of us to live in perpetual atonement and grace. And for those of us who have made that choice, the Bible says, just like we read, you are a new being. And we can see it right there. It says, for you are working out of yourselves, your true God-created selves. So when there's atonement and there's grace, God creates us into new beings. That means that anything that we... Um, have done right or done wrong, any judgment that we face, good or bad, doesn't matter. What Jesus did on the cross is the only thing that matters, which is the perfect example of grace. And I've read that verse like a hundred times or a million times probably over my life. I feel like Matthew 5 is, like I said, such a quintessential version and scripture of what true Christianity looks like and just the perfect like, love your neighbor, it's all good. And I used to think, that part where it says it rains on the just and the unjust really meant like God's grace is good and it's always good, but it doesn't exempt you from hard times. How many of you guys have heard people preach like that? That is so true. I'm not going to negate that. That is very true. And yes, sometimes good things and bad things happen to people who love Jesus and don't love Jesus, but I'm so thankful for the grace that gets us through that. However, I want to offer a new perspective of... Um, when it says that it, the sun comes to warm and the rain comes to nourish the bad and the nasty, regardless of what we deserve, it's not just talking about us being exempt from something. It's quite literally saying that, that Jesus, regardless of what you feel like you deserve, regardless if you've been bad, nasty, good, bad, his love is there to nourish you, to grow you, to challenge you, to change you, to shift your perspective, to give you a new paradigm of thinking. And that's the grace. That's the grace right there. It's, it's not just saying, hey, life is, life is tough sometimes, and here's the grace to get through it. I'm so thankful for that version of it. But it's quite literally saying, I'm there, and I'm giving you grace regardless of what you feel like you deserve. Because at the end of the day, none of us really deserve it. That's what Jesus established on the cross. There was justice served by his judgment, leading us to walk into new mercy. There's an atonement. There's a reconciliation between us and God. And I feel like there's no better act of grace than that when Jesus laid down his life. Because when it says that the rain comes to nourish, that's him comforting us when we are going through something tough. That's him walking through our day in and day out life at work when it feels mundane and we're in like that groundhog day circling of like, oh my gosh, I just did the same day yesterday. I've just had the same argument with my coworker yesterday. Um, I come home to my same atmosphere and I just did this. And Jesus is like, well, there's new grace for that. I wanna help you through that. I want to be there. That's him nourishing. He comes to correct us when we're wrong, even though it hurts and sometimes doesn't feel comfortable. His grace is that. It's quite literally nourishing, growing, challenging, changing us, shifting how we work. And it's not just this blanket statement of, this is grace just to get through it. This is grace to change. This is grace to reconcile you back to God, to live just like we get up here and we experience his presence in worship and we're able to say, God, like you're so good. I give you my day. I give you, you know, this week, anything that I'm up against, Jesus, you, it's all yours. It's all yours. And then like we go throughout our day and it kind of like dwindled, like that spark, that 
fire kind of dwindles. No, like the grace is there for us to constantly be re-reconciled back with God, to be re-brought back into his presence, to be re-brought back into his grace, that atonement. I just, I love that word. I love the idea that Jesus has quite literally bridged the gap, that there's no act that anyone can do for us, that there's no act we can do for ourselves. It's quite literally the act that Jesus already did. And so I've had the privilege of traveling a decent amount over the last six years. I was in my like single girl era and um, <laughs> I, uh, it's ending in 27 days. Amen to that. <laughs> um, yeah, I, uh, I just thought, you know, I'm gonna live my life. Me and my best friend were like, we're both doing this thing and uh, we're traveling a lot. And we happened to, I don't know how this happened. As I look back through pictures, I'm like, we've gone to like, so many sheep-filled places. I don't know. They've become my favorite animal just by watching them. They're the most peculiar and stupid things. Um, and I love them because I'm like, when the Bible references us as sheep, I'm like almost offended. I'm like, that's so rude. But also, I agree. And I like to think that Jesus is like, you're so cute, but kind of stupid. And I'm here to help you with that. Like, let me guide you. So um, let me show you some videos because I love their stubbornness and um, I just find enjoyment. So this first one, you can go ahead and play it. <clears throat> this is when we were in Scotland a couple months ago. And uh, we were just really fascinated. We didn't know what was about to happen, but you could see the sheep. We just thought the chicken was funny. Oh my gosh, they're besties. And then, you know, we... Oh, oh. <laughs> oh. Yeah. I know. <laughs> we watched that fight for 20 minutes. It ended up being really crazy. And we were like, you could hear us. I don't know, the audio was a little low, but if you go back through my Instagram stories, it's there. Um, you can hear us like, um, what's it called when you talk over something? Yeah, voice so Yeah, we're like commentating. That's the word I'm looking for. Like commentating, like, oh, look at the little, you know, and then we're like, oh, oh my God. Oh. Like we were like, no, don't get into a fight. There was like hundreds of sheep and these two were just at it for um, a long time. So um, that one I thought was really funny. And then there's this one. I was scrolling TikTok the other day. And it says POV, Jesus repeatedly helping me out of a mess that I got myself into. <laughs> <laughs> I thought that was so funny. I'm like, that is the most relatable thing. And then there's this last one. I probably, it's kind of long. I probably won't play the whole thing. This was another TikTok scroll. I don't know if you guys have ever seen like sheepdog, like actually at work. Good boy, Echo. This sheep is like the most stubborn thing. Walk on. Come by. Good boy, Echo. I, I love how they like think they're being sneaky. Wait. Like you're not going to see me on the corner. I don't know why, I, found, I watched this like a hundred times. I didn't even know I was preaching about this, but I just thought it was so funny. Good boy, Echo. Oh, I'll, I'll wait to the, that, like, why, why does he think he's not gonna get caught? <laughs> that, that one's me, that one's me. So you can go ahead and go kill the video, but I love them because they're just so cute and stupid, right? We can agree, they're cute and stupid. And how many of you guys feel like you feel like when you fit into that category of one of those sheep, like the one that's like right back into the ditch. I'm like, yeah, that felt like me this morning when I was like trying not to cut somebody off and flipping the bird type of thing. You know, where you're just like, Ugh, 
sorry, God, you know? Um, yeah, so, but there's, you get the point. When the Bible says that we are sheep, we quite literally, like, can be so stubborn, so persistent in our own things, even though we know, number one, just like that sheepdog, like, God is there, Jesus is there, like, his word is going to correct us at some point, you know, we'll feel the Holy Spirit tugging at us of like, hey, 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 we've had this conversation. Hey, I got better for you. Hey, my grace is here. And I feel like a lot of times one of those situations feels like me. I'm either maybe not externally at war with somebody, but I feel at war with something. Maybe it's like a situation at work that you guys are up against. I happen to nanny, so my war at work is just little kids, which is very real. Uh, (laughs) They are also stubborn. They are also um, so fun and interesting and cute and stupid too. We love them. (laughs) But they... I like a lot of us, you know, have coworkers, we have families, we have spouses, we have kids, and you just feel that war with people. You feel that war and that tension sometimes of why aren't you understanding what I'm saying? Why have I told you a hundred times to do this one thing that I've asked you so nicely and now I'm not going to be nice? Or we were supposed to work on this project at work together and now now I'm doing all the work, or I have this budget proposal and my boss is really breathing down my back and blah, 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 blah. You know, work, life, family, all of it. There's always so much connection and so much that we love about talking to people and relating to people, but people are messy and people are hard. And sometimes we feel at war or like the other sheep where you just find yourself in this perpetual circling the drain, my finances, I just can't seem to grab a hold of. I feel like finances are always like a big thing people talk about. They say like, number one reason marriages fail is finances. So I feel like finances, whether we want to admit it or not, plays a big part in our life. It allows us, it's the tool that we use to get through life. It's a tool that we use to live our life for the Lord or for not the Lord, whatever. It's a tool regardless and it can be tough sometimes, especially, you know, the times that we see. Finances can be a, me- a mess. Sometimes our mental health could be the thing that's deteriorating when we find ourselves back into like that rut, back into that ditch again. We find ourselves kind of struggling with our own, like, okay, Jesus, I know you helped me out of this again. And now again, and now again, and now I'm starting to feel unworthy of your help. And I'm starting to feel unworthy of your grace. But Jesus is saying, hey, no. I wanna help you back out. I wanna help you reconcile this thing because I have more for you. I have something new for you. And in a few minutes, Pastor Adam will come on up and he'll finish kind of wrapping up this point of grace. But I do wanna challenge you guys with one thing, with one thing today. In order for true grace and true atonement to take place, that means that there has to be change. So when the word says that there's nourishment from the rain and warmth from the sun, Those things quite literally change people, animals, plants, things. We see it in nature all the time. But there's something that spiritually happens when we allow Jesus's grace to come in. When we allow his love and his correction and his encouragement to do something new in us, there has to be a change. And that happens not by something you do. Maybe it is small corrections that the Lord's saying, hey, I want, let's try this thing instead of this thing. But it's really when we allow and we invite Jesus in and we take up his offer of that full atonement and he bridges the gap between us and God, then things just start changing on their own. 
because it's really not us in control anymore. It's not us finding ourselves back in that rut. It's really allowing Jesus to correct, his correction to come in and kind of push us back to where he wants us. Not because he wants to be in control, but because he has better for you, because he has more for you, because he has more for us. Grace, no matter what season you're in, like I said, whether if it's your first day at church and you've never been here before and you've never heard anything about grace or you've heard a version of grace a million times, it is something we need every single day. But it's also something we need every single moment because things happen, life happens. And it can be so tough when we walk outside of that grace. But the second Jesus is love and we allow the invitation to be received, it changes us, it grows us, it challenges us. And like I said, Pastor Adam is gonna come up in just a second, but my prayer and my hope for you guys today is that there is something that you guys take away knowing that Jesus is so passionate about you, that his grace quite literally is the only reconciliation between you and a loving God who's so passionate, so furious, so reckless for you. Jesus' grace is that thing so we can just sit back and receive it. All we have to do is take that invitation. All we have to do is receive that grace and allow that bridge, that reconciliation to happen. Because when we receive that and we, we allow Jesus' real grace to set in, there is change that happens and it's so full of goodness. It's full of promise. It's full of favor. It's full of blessing. Jesus loves you so much. He's so excited for any grace that he's allowed to, that you guys allow him to, to extend to you. It's his number one thing that he's so passionate about because it's quite literally the act that he did on the cross. So I wanna invite Pastor Adam up and he's gonna wrap it up. Guys, thank you so much for allowing me to speak to you guys today. We love you. Good morning, Elevate Church. I'm excited to be here and just speaking this morning. And um, just like Pastor Marissa had mentioned, I have the honor and privilege of getting to be the pastor over your 6th through 12th graders. And it is just the greatest joy of my life. And getting to be able to walk with them through life and, and have that opportunity to show them the love of Jesus in a, in a world that is absolutely crazy, where they need this grace that we're talking about, is just so special. So I just wanted to start off by saying that. But we're going to just continue on uh, with this idea of the gift of grace. So whoever, who in here has ever been given a gift or given a gift before? All right, a lot, a lot of people. So we talk about grace being a gift, but I just kind of wanted to go through this idea of, of, of gifts. So I have this first one. Is that, has anybody ever been given a book or given a book? So like I've been given a book and I've also given books, like the few that I've read, like I really am not, I don't love to read, but I understand like it's necessary, especially like reading the word of God. Like you gotta read it. You gotta understand it. But Who's ever like given a book or maybe been given a book and then like, you know, you're just living your life and you, and you walk over to your, your desk and, uh, and, you're, and you're trying to work and there's like that one leg, you know, and then all of a sudden like the gift becomes this. <laughs> you're like, all right, that, that, that's nice. I'm actually glad they got me. That's like the perfect thickness. Now I can just sit here and, you know, that's not okay, but sometimes it ends up like that. Another one, I love shoes. 
So like, I just got these shoes. They're like nice and white, and I like I want to protect them with my life. But I like when I was in high school, I got this new pair of shoes, and my best friend uh, came up to me and he was like, "Dude, those are amazing. I love those." And you know, just the kindness of God just was like, "You need to give him these shoes." And I was like. Oh my gosh, I don't want to give him these shoes. I just got these. But I was like, you know what? You can have them. He's like, no way. Like, are you serious? Like, I can, and I'm like, yeah, just like, you you want these shoes and you love them. I just, I'm feeling nice. Like, take them before I get upset. I, I'm not even joking. This isn't the actual picture of the shoes given and the result. But a week later, I see him in these shoes and this is what they look like. I'm like, is this some kind of sick joke? I feel like I've handed somebody my child and I come back and they're just on a full body cast, like stuck. I'm like, I wouldn't have given these to you if I would have known this is what they look like a week later. It's like, come on. The third, the third one is, who's, go- who's gotten one of those good Christmas gifts at one of those elephant exchanges and you open it up and you're like, oh, that's great, a panini press. You know how much I love pressing paninis in my free time. You know that. And then, you know, a couple months go by and, you know, your, your tire pops on the highway and you're like, I got to sell some stuff. And all of a sudden, where does that end up? Yep, good old face. There it is right there. There's that $30 panini press that you never use. But <laughs> you know that Facebook Marketplace has this feature now where you can hide your listing from your friends. <laughs> they know. They're like, you're safe here. You can sell that Christmas gift from Aunt Laura. She will never know. <laughs> okay. I'm not here to talk about all this. I just, you know, I got to bring humor into it because I'm just a big jokester guy. So we're talking about the gift of grace. And when I was praying about what the Lord wanted to speak about grace, I really felt like he said, you need to set the record straight on why I gave you grace why I extended grace through Jesus on the cross. Because I know there are so many of us that have been hurt by people, people in the church, people we love, friends, family. And you have this idea of like, where's the grace at? Where's this grace that we talk about that Jesus gave me and that you're supposed to represent? And it's given, and we have this idea of grace and then it gets treated like one of these things where you use it for a, for a leg of a table or you just abuse it and, and misuse it and it's dirty or you're selling it because you don't see any value in it. And so I, the Lord has said this, we need to set the record straight on the gift of grace. And so Jesus, in what we're about to read, is on his way to the cross to be crucified for the, the atonement of our sin and to reconcile us back with, with God. And in that, we get a gift of grace. And it is a gift. It is given, not by something we have done, but why Jesus has done. And so we're going to do a little bit of reading here. Um, And so I just wanted to jump in. We're going to jump into Luke 22, 20 through 24. Jesus predicts Judas's betrayal. It says, after supper, he took another cup of wine and said, this cup is the new covenant between God and his people, an agreement confirmed with my blood, which is poured out as a sacrifice for you. But here at this table, sitting among us as a friend, is the man who will betray me, for it has been determined that the son of man must die. But what sorrow awaits the one who betrays him? Man, that, that whole line 
is so good if you can underline that. The disciples began to ask each other which of them would ever do such a thing. And then they began to argue among themselves about who would be the greatest among them. So this verse right here, this moment right here, Jesus is sitting with his disciples at a table and they're communing, leading up to the moment where he would be crucified. And I love that this verse says there is agreement. There is an agreement between God and his people. Jesus's ultimate sacrifice would bring us this gift of grace. And it was a promise that God sent between him and his people, which is us. And the other part that it highlights is it has been determined that the son of man must die. There are going to be moments in your life where things are gonna have to die off. There's going to be moments in your life where you're like, God, deliver me from this. And he goes, if I were to continually deliver you thing after thing, what would be the point of my grace? What would be the point of Jesus going to the cross for your your sin and to atone you back to me? And so when we go through these hard things in life and we have these moments where we're like, couldn't he have, if he could predict it, couldn't he have just avoided it? But no, point number one is God always has a plan. Always. God always has a plan. And that's why he sent Jesus. He knew that there would have to be betrayal. There would have to be denial for Jesus to be crucified on the cross. So we're going to keep going. Jesus now predicts Peter's denial, another of his disciples. Luke 22, 33-34. Peter said, Lord, I'm ready to go to prison with you and even to die with you. But Jesus said, Peter, let me tell you something. Before the rooster crows tomorrow morning, you will deny me three times that you ever knew me. So we've got two of these men that have walked closely with Jesus on this earth. And you would think that they know him the best out of anybody and that they should have it all together and they're walking with him. But yet they've walked with him on this earth and they are being pulled in by the things of the world and pulled in by their own understanding of what's about to happen. And they're allowing that to to enable them to deny and betray the one they've walked closest to. So the story continues, Luke 22, 45 through 48. I know this is a lot of reading, but it's all just plays into the story of receiving this grace. Judas betrays Jesus. So at last he, who is he? It's Jesus in the garden. He's praying before he's going to be crucified. He stood up again and returned to the disciples only to find them asleep, exhausted from grief. Why are you sleeping? He asked them, get up and pray so that you will not give in to temptation. But even as Jesus said this, a crowd approached led by Judas, one of the 12 disciples. Judas walked over to Jesus to greet him with a kiss. But Jesus said, Judas, would you betray this? Judas, would you betray the son of God with a kiss? Now, Jesus right now is turned in at this point, and he is now on his way to the cross to be crucified. And Peter is following shortly behind. So we've got Jesus in the garden praying, and then Judas following behind, or Judas betraying Jesus, and then Peter following behind. So Luke 22, 54 through 60, the story continues. Now Peter denies Jesus, just like he had just like he had predicted. So they arrested him and led him to the high priest's home. And Peter followed at a distance. The guard lit a fire in the middle of the courtyard and sat around it, and Peter joined them there. A servant girl noticed him in the firelight and began staring at him. Finally, she said, this man was one of Jesus's followers, but Peter denied it. Woman, he said, I don't even know him. After a while, someone else looked at him and said, you must be one of them. No, man, I am not. Peter retorted, but about an hour later, someone else insisted, and what goes on? Peter said, man, I don't know what you are talking about. Immediately while he was speaking, the rooster crowed. 
Isn't it just, it's funny how we can think Jesus tells us something. He's trying to warn us about something. He's trying to lead us out of something. And we're like, no, you don't know what you're talking about. And yet they get to these exact moments that were told to them at that table and they go, I guess it was true. So we go on past these moments. This is typically where I would have stopped. And I just go like, how would they do that? Why would they do that? But I was so interested and the Lord led me to their response. Because that's what, that is where the true watch is. That is where God is looking, not at what you have done, but how are you going to respond? What are you going to receive? And so Peter in Luke 22, 61 through 62, at that moment, the Lord turned and looked at Peter. Suddenly the Lord's words flashed through Peter's mind before the rooster crows tomorrow morning. You will deny me three times that you even knew me. And Peter left the courtyard weeping bitterly. And then Matthew 27, three through six. Judas, <clears throat> when Judas, who had betrayed him, realized that Jesus had been condemned to die, he was filled with remorse. So he took the 30 pieces of silver back to the leading priests and the elders. I have sinned, he declared, for I have betrayed an innocent man. What do we care? They retorted, that's your problem. <laughs> Don't you love that? The world will tell you that they're for you and that they've got you and they've got all these solutions until the moment you mess up and then you're on your own. You're on your own, but Jesus offers something so much greater. He goes, when you have turned on me, when you have backhanded me, when you have denied me, when you have not spoken to me for decades, I am right where you left me. I did not go a single place, but the world and people who are hurt and don't understand can only look at what people have done to them in their life. And that is not the heart of God. So we go on past that and we see these two opportunities for repentance. And the word says his kindness, who Jesus' kindness leads us to repentance. It's not shame. It's not guilt. It's not fear. And so repentance isn't being sorry and just going, you know, I'm sorry, God. And I believe that for a long time. It's like, I'm sorry, and let's move on. Repentance is a full turning back to Jesus. It is looking at him, turning your heart and going, Jesus, I am not only sorry that I continue to allow myself to be in the driver's seat and to deny what you're saying, but I want to know what can we do next? How can I change the way that I'm living? What is it that you have for me? It's not, it's I want to follow you. It's like, I don't want to follow my flesh and my desires. I want to follow your desire. I want to know what you have for my life because I know that I've messed up this time and it'll probably happen again. So I would much rather you be leading this than me. So point number two, Grace was not given for relief from your guilt or shame, but as a release from your sin. God did not give us grace for us to come in and go, oh, I feel good about myself now, all right? And right back to what you were doing before. Anything else in the world does that for you. Alcohol, sex, a better job, a bigger house, a bigger car. You can do a lot of things that'll make you feel better. You really can. And so Jesus wasn't coming here to bring another option to the table. He was coming here to bring atonement between us and God so that we could live set free from the things that are holding us back, from victory, from joy, from restoration, from things that he has for us. 
The gift of grace is given to empower you to live a better life. It's not to push you down and go, I'm God, you're a little man. You stay there and here's my gift and feel better about your poor little self. He raised us up with Christ. When Christ raised from the dead, we raised too. And if he can overcome, we can overcome. And so a lot of us know this story, but for those who don't, Jesus was crucified. He's hanging on the cross next to two criminals who have done nothing for Jesus in their lifetime. And he's looking at people who have smashed a crown of thorns into his head, spit on him, backhand him. And he says, forgive them for they know not what they've done. And not only that, but something interesting is we talked about these two men and their decision. But what we don't really emphasize on is the fact that the other 10 basically just scatter. They don't stand there. There's one that is accounted that stood there with Jesus, and that was John. But for the majority, they scattered. And then Jesus dies. He resurrects three days later. He conquers hell, death, and the grave, comes back, and we receive this gift of grace so that now when we're going through life and we're struggling and we're like, I'm stuck in this cycle, I can turn to Jesus. Not just say, I'm sorry, say a prayer and go along because that's not gonna lead to change. That will not lead your life to change. And so if you have an idea that just saying a prayer and saying sorry and being at church and riding on the coattails of what other people are saying is going to bring you life change, you, you're probably gonna walk away from this whole idea. But if you truly turn, make the hard decisions, change your life, he can use you for what he wants to do. So we go on into Acts 3, 1 through 11. Well, only six through seven on this verse. It says, but Peter said, I don't have any silver or gold for you, but I'll give you what I have. He's talking to a crippled beggar on the street. In the name of Jesus, Christ the Nazarene, get up and walk. Then Peter took the lame man by the right hand and helped him up. And as he did, the man's feet and ankles were instantly healed and strengthened. So you may not be in direct denial. You may not be in a place where you feel like you're directly looking at Jesus and saying, no, you're wrong. I don't want to do this. But you are one of these four instances. But the beautiful story of this gift of grace is that Peter, a man who denied Jesus three times leading up to the crucifixion, was then the first disciple to have an act of the Holy Spirit and heal someone through the power of Jesus that raised him from the dead. And so you are not exempt from this. Point number three, and to wrap this up, band, you can come up. The grace of God is always available to those who look to him. I hear it so often. I hear from youth kids. I hear from family. I hear from friends. God won't forgive me. I'm too far gone. It hasn't worked for me. It hasn't done anything for me. I've been in it my whole life. It was a lie. I was brainwashed. People told me it was. It's not that it's dead and gone. It's that you don't want to take the steps to look to Jesus and allow him to lead your life. And I know that sounds harsh. It really does. But just like any other thing in life, if you don't allow the leader to be the leader, you're not going to get anywhere. And so if you don't allow Jesus to be the ultimate atonement and sacrifice, and you don't say, I want to receive your gift of grace, then you're not going to see your life change.
But you have the opportunity today and every day to not have to do the 365-day atonement with a sacrificial animal on a stone and cut open the blood and spill it out. Thank God we don't have to do that. We get to come to him in a moment where we're struggling and we're fed up and we get to go, I might not feel it. Understand me when I say that. You aren't going to feel like asking for grace. You aren't going to feel like allowing Jesus this thing that we've, you know, never seen, never understood. You, you, you have this idea of like, I have never seen it. I'm not going to believe it. If you don't allow the faith of what the Bible has told to be true, if you don't give it full repentance and go, I'm turning towards this then you're going to fall into the category that everyone else is. You might as well be out there drinking every weekend. You might as well be out there seeking affairs and going after the things that feel good. But living a life for God goes far beyond feeling. Living a life where you accept the gift of grace goes far beyond where you've been hurt. It goes far beyond what people have said and misrepresented. Because that's the thing. Grace and Jesus and what is said in this Bible is so misrepresented. It's so misrepresented. And it was not God's heart for people to view him how other people treat them. He said, I did this. I sent my son, my living sacrifice to show you because I know no one else could. And you just have to accept it and turn to me. What a beautiful gift. What a beautiful gift we have in Jesus that we get to come to him in that moment. So let's stand up together this morning. You might be one of the following. Maybe you're Judas and you've had moments where you're like, I'm turning this thing in. This hasn't worked for me. I've seen it and I haven't seen it. I thought I knew and then I got hurt. I, I, I don't know. Maybe you're Peter. Maybe you're just in this denial that I'm going to figure it out. The world's got the answers. Maybe you're the other 10 where you're just like, I'm going to just be complacent and not listen and I'm going to run away. I don't even want to be there for it. Just let me know what happens. But you know, there's a fourth option. Maybe you really are in this room and you're like, I have, I do understand grace and I am operating in it. The, the, the thing is, no matter where you stand, you need it every day. You need it in every moment of life, whether you're single, you're married, you're dating, you've got kids, you've had trauma, you've been hurt, you're lost, you're broken, whatever that is today, I wanna give you an opportunity to not just hear from Pastor Marissa and I and be convicted by that, but to hear from the Holy Spirit and to hear from this gift and to receive this gift. So we're gonna go into this song. It's just another old, it's just another old uh, classic. It's We Fall Down. And this song, the Lord just brought it to my mind. It says, we fall down, we lay our crowns at the feet of Jesus, the greatness of his mercy and love at the feet of Jesus. And then we cry holy. Because why? Because he's the one that's holy. He is the one that has brought us into wholeness with God. And for that, we just get to receive the grace. So if, if you feel comfortable, if you would just lift your hands or open yourself up, because when there's a gift that's to be given, you can't receive it with closed arms. You can't receive it with a closed heart. You have to open up. And when you open it up, I want you to imagine you're giving him whatever that is. 
giving Him whatever that is. And in return, He's gonna put in your hand the gift of grace. And it's gonna look different for each and every person, but He's gonna give it. He already has it. He's just waiting for you to come into the storehouse and receive it. So as we sing this, I want you to sing it from a place of, I don't have to do it. I don't have to make sense of it. I don't have to get myself cleaned up. 